This is a place. This is a place. This is a place. We want to talk about. This is a place. Thank you for listening to TIAPP. My name is Brandon. And I'm with a man who is not just an RM, but an LDS RM, who was trained at the MTC, who became a DL, a ZL, and an AP, who was promised long ago by his bishop through a PPI after BYC that someday he'd be the EQP. I smell GA. Nate. L O L S M H. Shma. That's a. You're an AP, right? No. Like Dwight Dwight Schrute. Wow. Dwight Schrute, I was an assistant to the. Or no, listen to the AP. Assistant to the AP. Yeah. So there was. I was companions with the AP, but not an AP, if that makes any sense to you. They called it kind of the. Troubled missionary. Is what it sounds like. AP training. What's no, that? No, no. no, no. Troubled missionary is what it sounds like. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was put into what some were calling like the AP training program. And I obviously failed. So <laughs> I never. Um, yeah. So there's usually one decent, I guess, think that was me. It could have been both troubled missionaries. And then it seemed like the other one was always like a troubled missionary. Um, so yeah, I didn't make it to the AP slot. So didn't fulfill that promise from your BYC, huh? No, did not did not make it to the did not make it to the top of the of the ladder. Have you yet been the EQP? Heavens no. <laughs> <laughs> and do I want to? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. That would be a, a rough a rough um calling. <laughs> So, man, it, some people have definitely tuned out already this far into the episode with all these members and Mormon members alike. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like, yeah, I'm not going to do this one. We're talking about a religious subject, which we don't do very often, try not to do. But we do quite frequently anyway. But yeah, I mean, there's no surprise to anybody out there. Um, unless you don't know what a, a Mormon is. <laughs> the Mormons. Um, but yeah. So but, in, the, in the early 2000s, there were a slew of movies that came out. These, And it really kind of started with the singles award, right? Yeah. Where it was kind of a surprise hit. Um at least among the Utah people. And it kind of started a whole wave of them. Yes. I was growing up at the time of these movies. And so they were very impressionable to me and I enjoyed them quite a bit. That's a good point. So you were just a child when these movies came out. But for me, especially like the, the singles ward, um, I think that came out, what, 2001, 2002? So I was freshly home 
from my mission. And so it, it kind of, it was kind of fun. I did watch the singles war the other day for the first time in a, in a long, long time. And it was kind of a nostalgic walk down memory lane. Just remembering that that time was very similar to what, not what I was going through, but the things that were going on in the world at the time. Yeah. When you were watching the movie. So, and even watching kind of our little bit of our subject today, the RM kind of struck a chord as well. Like pretty, pretty similar to my times coming home from, from the mission. So luckily my family did not move. Um, <laughs> and there was people there to meet me at the airport. So I didn't have to go through, through that. But I think the RM was the first movie I watched when I got home from my mission. And. Well, had you seen it before? Yes. Okay. But it's a strange movie to pick right home, right home from your mission. Cause it doesn't make things seem like they're going to be so great. A lot of times when people write movies and stuff like that, they do it from their own personal experience or stories that they've heard. So I wonder if it was just a bunch of stories that got put into one movie. Little things that happened in different people that took part in the movie and wrote their stuff into it. Yeah. So if you want to take a trip down memory lane like we did, always got the living scriptures streaming service and you can do a free trial, which I definitely did to research this movie and this, these topics that we have today. Yeah. And Nate used mine too. And I used your password to watch the RM, but another movie we um, are talking about today is mobsters and Mormons. And I already have the DVD no, nice. copy of it. And when I brought it upstairs from the basement from my pile of DVDs, which kind of a dying breed, right? My wife's like, oh, you went out and bought Mobsters and Mormons. And I'm like, no, you gave it to me as a like birthday present like 15 years ago. <laughs> so my wife didn't even remember a gift that she bought me. Which was mobsters and Mormons. So Which different? It's a different take on the Mormon movie categories, but still a worthy, worthy good one to watch. Yeah, that one is not as heavy on the tropes. That one's a little more I guess you could say real 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 life. Mobsters and Mormons? Yeah, it's it's more it's more like a I mean, Singles Ward and RM, they rely heavily on all those tropes and stereotypes. And Mobsters Mormons does that a little bit, but it's more a storyline with less yeah. of the jokes thrown in. Yeah. And I would think if you weren't familiar with the Utah culture, that you would understand Mobsters and Mormons better than you would the RM. <laughs> You could put yourself in the shoes of the mobsters in the story. And yeah. Kind of be on their side. But it still does help if you know the Utah culture to get a few of the jokes in mobsters and Mormons, but it's, it was, it's definitely entertaining for sure. 
Both of them great movies, and it was fun to watch them again. But I think the most fun about it was we actually got to talk to one of the stars from these two movies. So we're here with Brittany Underwood, who has had uh, quite a career, most notably for us here in a couple of local movies, which is why we know about her. But so much more that even went into that. So do you want to tell us about your background and how you got started in the entertainment industry? Sure. Well, first, I just want to say I'm so grateful to be here. Thanks, you guys, for having me, Brandon and Nate. And I really enjoyed your little song intro. This is the place. I was really clever. Probably sound better if you sang it for us. So I don't know. But (laughs) I was going to say that. Can I I pull up my guitar and have you sing the intro for us for this episode? (laughs) And who played the instruments? I want to know. Who who was on the banjo? Was that you? It was a guitar, but I could use a banjo. That's a good idea. That's true. I like the I like the suggestion. I have a, a sliver of musical talent, nothing compared to you, but we'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. I know, no, I could tell, I could tell. Very clever. Enough to play in the award roadshows. Totally. I've done my fair share of road shows. There you go. I don't they, think a lot of people even know what those are anymore, right? Probably They're not. If, well, if you've grown if you've grown up in the LDS culture, those road shows, you know, there could be a movie about them, like Church Ball. You know, like it, it's the road show. Cutthroat. Well, so you like, should oh, you should God. write and direct and produce a movie for us. Absolutely. And we can be, and we can be in it. This could be our big break, Brandon. Yes. <laughs> actually kind of a brilliant idea roadshow you know the people let's make it happen come on i was gonna say i'm gonna have to contact my friends in fact i'm gonna call them right after this i'm not kidding um anyway (laughs) i'm Brittany underwood i'm so excited to be here with you guys nate and brandon thanks for having me i'm an actor and i'm a singer and i was in those movies that you just referenced mobsters and mormons and the rm which you know you gave a pretty great monologue from that, the DL and the ZL and the AP after the BYP or like <laughs> <laughs> And I have to say, I have a funny story to tell first, but I was talking to my mother-in-law today and I referenced the DTR. Nate, do you know what that is? The DTR? Oh yeah, I, I dated before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she was like, what? And I was like, you know, the DTR. So what is it with like Mormons and these acronyms? I don't know. BYC yeah. after FHE. So the DTR, <laughs> <laughs> the DTR, for those who don't know, is define the relationship. So anyone who's listening, if you want to know what DTR means, that's it. Anyway, I you asked me what my background is. Thanks for asking. I grew up in a very musical family. My parents met in a battle of the bands in Park City. 
So they met doing music. My dad fell in love with my mom who was in the competing band. They formed a new band. And so I've been singing in bands and singing on stage since I was four because, you know, I mean, I was in my mom's stomach a lot like mobsters and Mormons, like my child was with me when I did that, but I listened to them playing. And then as soon as I could, I was up there singing with them in the band. So grew up in a musical family when we, I was born here in Provo and we moved to San Diego when I was five. And then we started this family show, <laughs> like singing and dancing and tap dancing and choreography and costume changes, a lot like our road show that we love to talk about. <laughs> and um, it was great. It was just really bonding. And we performed all over Nevada and California and Utah and, you know, came up here to perform several times to Utah and it was great, made us really tight. And then I went off to BYU and graduated in musical theater, which is a triple major. It's music, dance, and theater. You have to take three majors. I did that and then did theater, just like went hardcore, did um, some fun stuff in between plays. Like I did, I, I took a job right out of college at Disney World where I got to play Ariel and Belle in the shows. And that was a total blast. Driving my little convertible to work and I just felt like a million bucks and Disney's so fun you get the front of every line and you get all your friends and family that want to come down and visit you they get to the front of every line and it's just I'm serious like the best job ever and then I went on to do more serious theater I did uh, played Oliver I played Nancy and Oliver against Christopher Lloyd who was so fun he played Fagan and I played Nancy and then I did Umbrellas of Cherbourg and I did Dear World um, opposite Maureen McGovern, who sang that song from uh, Superman. You guys remember Superman when we were all little? Mm -hmm. Read my mind. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's That was her. She sang that. And we got her to come play opposite. Um, she played the lead opposite me in Umbrellas of Cherbourg and another show called Dear World. And then I went on to do Tokyo Disneyland where I played Ariel and I recorded all the lip sync tracks over there for their shows and that was a total blast and then I did Broadway which was the total pinnacle of my theater career it was absolutely incredible I played Ellen and Miss Saigon we I was in the second national Broadway tour so we toured all over the U.S. and Canada and then I started having babies theater is so hard because it's eight hours of rehearsal every day. And then when you're doing shows, it's eight shows a week and you're gone. You're just gone so much. It's so time intensive. So I sort of transitioned into film and TV. So I started doing movies and the RM was my very first real actual part in a movie, you know, where you're not just a little tiny one-liner or an extra or something. I actually had a really good part. So it's near and dear to my heart because it was my very first lead in a movie. Were you trying to get into the movie business or did that kind of just fall into your lap? That was such a good question. I, it kind of both, like kind of the film and TV and the recording industry and just the arts around here are such a tight knit group. It's such a small world that I think, oh, I think both. I mean, I was already doing little stuff like commercials and industrials and voiceovers and stuff, 
but I hadn't really broken out into films until the RM, but I had recorded something. I was a recording artist too. You have to wear a lot of hats in this industry to make a living. So I was recording quite a bit and I had recorded for someone's movie. Um, his name is Ryan Little. So we became friends. So I've been recording for him and his movies. And then one day I get a text saying, hey, Britt, I'm going to be the DP, which is director of photography. I'm going to be the DP. Another acronym. Movie. Come audition for me. Yeah, the DP with the EL and the AP. <laughs> anyway, I, I get this text. He's like, hey, they're auditioning right now. Just come down the street and, you know, come audition for me. So I went in and they handed me the sides. Sides are like part of a script where that you use to audition with. They're just a couple pages of script. They handed me to this, they handed me the sides. I walked in and I pretty much just got the job. Like it was, it was so dreamy. So I, I mean, I was already in the industry, but then I kind of fell into it by who I knew, which, you know, I owe my whole film career to Ryan Little, I have to say, shout out awesome director. He's directed some incredible stuff since, since being the DP on the arm. But anyway, so that's kind of how I got into film. And you noted that it wasn't just the RM, you did multiple movies like the RM, Mobsters and Mormons. You no- mentioned the one that we hadn't seen, Believe, the yes. MLM movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, Bunch I did. different um, things you've yeah, done. That's a scoop on multi-level marketing, which is also totally Utah-centric, right? Oh, yeah. Completely appropriate for Utah. I did the Yankles, which was like a Jewish baseball comedy. I know, right? Hmm. But a lot of films come to Utah because the tax incentives are so great. So it's not a surprise that Disney movies and I mean, just films from everywhere come to Utah. I mean, the topography is beautiful, right? You have like the mountains and then the desert and the salt flats and the red rock. And so there's geographic reasons to choose Utah, but then also the tax incentives are usually fantastic. So the film industry is great here. But yeah, I've done the Yankles. I've done Forever Strong. I did. Oh, that's right. I played opposite. Well, I had just a tiny bit part in it again. Um, opposite Sean Astin. You guys remember? He was in Rudy. Rudy. Exactly. <laughs> no, he's the guy from Stranger Things. No, he's the guy from. <laughs> oh, no, no, he's the guy from Lord of the Rings. He's a hobbit. <laughs> yep, that too. Um, yeah, so then. Um, and then I did Mistletones, which is still playing on, it started out on ABC Family, but now it plays on Netflix and Prime and all these movies are, I think are on Netflix and Prime or most of them at least. But yeah, it's been incredible. I'm super grateful to just all my colleagues and everyone who's had faith in me. And I'm looking at a couple scripts right now too one shoots in a couple weeks and then one they're not sure what the shoot schedule is so so how does that work um how often does an actor or actress get a script sent to them that the movie wants them in it to versus auditioning for a role oh, or does it kind of go hand in hand how does that work no, that's such a good question honestly like to have a script sent to you that someone wrote apart for you is just a dream. Like that's the way you want to do it. Like, I, I mean, big or small, as far as budget film goes, that's, it doesn't matter. Like that is the dream. And I, I mean, it, it definitely happened after I did the RM. I think that you, I mean, you have to be 
talented enough, obviously, to get anywhere. And you have to know the right people most of the time because just auditioning doesn't pan out until they know and can vouch for you. And then they just start writing scripts for you. I mean, that that's my point in this is that I'm fortunate enough to be I don't know, just to know the right people well enough and to do a good enough job when they give me a job to want me to work for them again. I just feel really grateful for that. So that's how I got Mobsters and Mormons, actually. Um, John Moyer was a co-writer for the RM. So Kurt Hale wrote the RM based on his experiences, like you suspected. One of you said that. One of you wondered, was that you, Nate? Wondered I think if, so, yeah. Yeah, if the RM was written from a bunch of experiences and that's exactly what happened. So Kurt Hale was on a cruise, this is his story. He was on a cruise with his family and he just started dropping down stories of just like his own mission experiences and other people's when they got home. And the next thing he knew, he was just laughing like crazy and had a kind of a rough outline of a script. So then he teamed up with John Moyer who wrote and directed the mobsters Mobsters and Mormons, and the two of them wrote the RM. So then the RM was successful. John Moyer wrote his own script, Mobsters and Mormons, based on kind of his experiences with people that moved into his neighborhood and felt like fish out of water. Um, I can't remember where they're from, but that's his story. So but they weren't necessarily in the witness, witness protection. protection program, <laughs> yeah, right? No. Although, well, I don't know, maybe they were. <laughs> well, that's why they're in the program, right? Because yeah. you're not supposed to know. <laughs> But anyway, so he wrote me into, he wrote Kate James, my character in Mobsters and Mormons with me in mind. So then he gives me a call or a text and says, hey, I want you to look at this script I wrote with, you know, this is the part that I want you to play. And I was like, oh yeah, about that. Um, I'm eight months pregnant. So I don't know if that's gonna work. He's like, oh, oh man, snap, okay. Well, I guess we're gonna just audition other people. So he auditioned, he held auditions. I was super sad. But then a couple of days into auditions, I get another phone call that says, oh, we just still really want you to do it for it. We haven't found anyone that we love as much as you, which is so amazing. Cause it was so, written for you. It was written for me, I know, he's such a doll. So he rewrote the part to be, you know, a big pregnant woman. The wife of the bishop, total stereotype, dyed my hair blonde to make me look more Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time I was blonde in my life. I have dark hair naturally, but anyway, they wanted me, and then they had me do it twice too. They had me dye my hair once, that wasn't blonde enough. So I had to go back and get it done again. So anyway, <laughs> and then, yeah. So that's how Mobsters and Mormons came to be, was circling back to your question writing a script with you in mind is how I came to be in Mobsters and Mormons. So it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, that's every actor's dream, not to have to, you know, hit the pavement audition. So once you have a brand, so to speak, then people start sending you scripts, but till then yeah. you've got to yep. audition and make your own way. Going back to your experience with the RM, if if that's okay, I mean, you mentioned you had a pretty big role. You're basically the co-star in the movie. You're the yes. love interest when the yes. the return mission the gets home. Second love interest. Sorry, second love interest. <laughs> Spoiler alert: He gets a dear John, but he doesn't get it. He gets dumped for a guy <laughs> named Kirby, <laughs> a vacuum cleaner. 
Ben, you guys know this well. <laughs> just watched it. Just watched it a hundred <laughs> times growing up. It's such a fun movie. And I heard you say, Brandon, I'm sorry, I know you have a question, but I heard you say that that was the first movie you watched when you got back from your mission. Yeah. Poodle. I mean, I was too scared to watch other secular movies. So that was a good, <laughs> a good safe start. But right. I just kind of wanted to set the tone for how things would be life after the mission. And, and it's pretty, pretty, pretty low, accurate. So <laughs> made you feel pretty good about yourself, you know? Yeah, that it wasn't after that bad. What was your experience like with that one? I mean, being just the small things you did before and then being thrown into a role like that, like what was the experience in being in the RM? Oh, terrifying, like terrifying. Honestly, like I, I just kept thinking, please don't suck. Please don't suck. Like every day <laughs> I drive to set, please don't suck. Please don't suck. Say a little prayer. That's really true. Like I was terrified. I, I, I just wanted to do a good job. I just wanted to be natural. I just didn't want to be acty or weird or, you know? And so um, I, it was also kind of stressful because at the time I was still doing a show at Sundance. So I would shoot all day until I had a cutoff. I had a super hard cutoff, which is kind of unheard of in film. You don't have cutoffs, you know? Like you film a scene until you film a scene, until you are done. And to have a hard cutoff where the actor has until five is really difficult for everyone on set because you just have delays and the lighting isn't right. And, you know, that's, I don't know. They were kind to work with me is what I'm trying to say. I'm grateful that they're willing to work with my hard cutoff. I had a hard cutoff every day at five because I would just jump in my car and race up the canyon to go play Nina in Deer World opposite Maureen McGovern which was a dream, that was a dream job too. So I would shoot all day and then hop in my car and race up and do a show all night and then rinse and repeat. The next, the next morning I'd be back on set. So it was a total blast, terrifying. I didn't want to suck. And it was super, super fun and exciting all at the same time. Had the best time with those guys. Those actors are so, so just, not only are they talented, but they're all just, also just so kind like we were just they're just so kind to me that was my first I was probably nervous you know they were just super cool and helpful and I don't know I just owe them a lot owe them a lot of gratitude yeah and they're hilarious too you get those guys on set together and I mean it's just like I don't know being in a stand-up comedy club and you're Someone referencing had, like specifically Kirby Hayborn, Will Swenson. Kirby, Will Swenson, Will and I go way back. We went to school together. We went to BYU together at the same time. So we've played opposite each other in lots of shows already. In fact, he was in my cast in Miss Saigon. Mm -hmm. So that was a total blast. And then we, our careers just sort of followed each other around. Like we graduated BYU at the same time. We both went to Disney at the same time. He played Gaston, I played Belle. <laughs> and then we were cast also in another show together that we both ended up dropping out of, but we were, and then we played, you know, we were together in Miss Saigon and then together in the RM, but it's so Will's a great guy. And I know him, he's like a brother to me, but to get all those guys, what's that, what's that show down on center street in Provo comedy sports, comedy sports. Yeah. Oh, it's like comedy sports, like every day. Like it's amazing that we got anything done because it was just laughter and jokes and pranks and, Oh, they were so funny.
that That's one cool. scene in the RM where we're in Maverick and I'm driving that cute little convertible, or not convertible, I guess it was, I had a convertible Mustang in, in at BYU, but this one was red. It's a cool looking car. It was cool, huh? I had the exact same car in college, but it was a convertible. Is that oh. rad or what? At BYU, That's the summers cool. was so fun. But anyway, so we're driving into Maverick and we pull, anyway, that whole scene where we're ha- we have to start laughing in, in uh, Maverick, where we turn, I, we get drinks out of the cooler and then we kind of walk down the aisle and he says something about- Pain and separation anxiety. And said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. So he told me a joke every every time, like right before they called action, blah, 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 he'd whisper some joke. And so we'd actually crack up for real. And then he, Kirby's just the best. So he seems like a guy, like he's, you know, some actors, they're acting and then off scene, they're completely different people. Yeah. But I feel like he's a guy that's not really acting. He's just being Kirby, right? Yeah. Is that who he is in real life? Or I would say- he just seems like a pretty positive, just want to have fun type guy. But maybe I'm yeah, wrong in real he's life. Just as nice as he comes across on set. I mean, sorry, on film. He is just as nice on set as he seems in the films he does. And he, he can stretch too. I mean, he can play some really tough, some tough roles as well. Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, a good place to start as an actor is just to start being yourself and then sort of add on. That's my method. I just, I just am who I am. Like, like right now, this is who I am in most of my movies, unless the character requires some quirks or tweaks or, so you start with yourself, who you are, your own thought process, and then you just sort of add to it. Kirby has that he has that ability to really stretch and play hard roles and really stretch outside of himself, but mostly just, yeah, he is exactly who he seems to be. Just the nicest, kindest, super funny guy. Yeah. At least when it comes to the RM and those singles, roles, singles yeah. board, I feel like that's who he is in real life. It is. Um, I don't think he's the missionary in what's the missionary movie in um, best two years. Best two years. I don't oh, think he's like that, <laughs> but um I feel like the RM and singles war, that's, that's who he is. That's why I would imagine he would be in real life. So do you have uh, you mentioned the Maverick scene, but do you have any favorite scenes that you did in the RM? Oh, the driving scenes were fun. I love, okay. Do you guys remember that restaurant in Salt Lake? That yes. That's, that's actually the one I was wanting to get to because that's, serious? that's my favorite part. We, we did an episode a couple months ago on the Mayan itself. No way. And so okay, I'm glad, glad you brought it up. Scene. No, that is one of my favorite. That's the very first scene that comes to mind. Uh-huh. That was so fun. The, the atmosphere was great. We got to eat that yummy food. Yeah. The that perfect was, place to do a book of Mormon burger. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, fun, like one of the funnest scenes in the RM. They were all fun, honestly. Like, they were all fun. I really liked um, the car scenes. I know that's a strange thing to say, but the car scenes where they pull your—you're not actually driving, but you're talking in the car—and they're just pulling your car around town <laughs> on a trailer. <laughs> that was kind of fun. Um, pull us around target oh oh i think i i do have a favorite scene the minivan scene oh that's a good one Minivan scene where everything is supposed to be just so gross oh that was funny where they got your corsage on 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally not. But the mom is sitting like driving us around on our date with the car seat in between. And I put my <laughs> hand on the on the baby chair, whatever. Like it's all sticky and gross. <laughs> gross gummy bears stuck and run a day gives me a corsage gosh that's so funny that was funny that was fun and all culminates in a trip to the hospital as the mom gives birth right and we had we drove by um the super target in the background did you guys notice that i didn't driving down where was that at in In orem it was in orem we drove by the super target in orem shows it in the movie but that is where I met my husband. My husband, I met at that very super target. So if anyone's ever watching the RM and that scene comes on, John and I are like, hey, that's where we met right there. Anyway, I, what are your favorite scenes in the RM? Like Book of Mormon Burger scene. I don't know. It's necessarily like this. I don't know. Scenes just are just, it's just the quotes. There's, I just love the detail. <laughs> like talking about you guys going to the movie theater if you look in the background they made all these movie posters of movies that don't even exist i and think one, one of them like is the a, bi- one of them is the singles ward yeah exactly <laughs> the singles ward promoting their own movie also i think there's one like the bishop's wife or something it looks like some kind of a drama so all those little things that they you don't always pick up on the first time but those little details that they really got down to that mormon culture that we would understand. I thought that was pretty cool. They obviously had so much fun writing that script. Yeah. I mean, you can tell just because of what you said, Brandon, the detail, the detail, like the, what do they call those food things that he had to sleep on in the basement? Oh, like the food storage, storage. the MREs. The the MREs, it's another acronym, the MREs. (laughs) Yeah. What another, I just thought of another, I think my absolute favorite scene is not something that I'm in. It's where he's like, he's like outside and he gets bitten by the dog. He's trying to shake the dog off of his leg and then he falls into the pool. I wasn't even there for that day. I wasn't even, I didn't even see them film that scene and I can't help but just bust up every time I see it. Gets kicked in the face, falls in the pool. Kicked in the face by some guy. Yeah. I like the quote where uh, that his dad's like, you know, there's no reason in six months you can't be making a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and he's like, wait, you've been doing this for two years. How much have you made? <laughs> well, well, that's part time. <laughs> so true. <laughs> that same scene where he's like, hey, my sister's coming home from a mission. <laughs> She's lost a ton of weight. She had a tapeworm. <laughs> she sounds like a hundred pounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot I of think good. Some of those jokes came from John too, John Moyer. Those two masterminds, Kurt Hale and John Moyer. And John wrote, directed, and was in Monsters and Mormons. Oh, he's in it. What what he's the FBI agent? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well that that too, speaking of Monsters and Mormons, another great one. Not quite the same uh format as these singles wards RM movies, but still riddled with Mormon culture and these other people coming in and being just completely submerged in it without having any knowledge except maybe like multiple wives or the coffee thing (laughs) yeah yeah like you pointed out it it definitely has a different pace and a different feel but a lot of the same inside jokes not as many though Mm -hmm. because like you pointed out the RM was just riddled with 
I mean, in every scene had all these nuances, but the, yeah, Mobsters and Mormons has the same, it's the same idea. Yeah, yeah you can definitely understand Mobsters and Mormons more if you're not from Utah compared to RM, you'd be like, this, this isn't funny. <laughs> well, these jokes. <laughs> That's so true. But to us, it's hilarious. But one thing you did mention is that you were pregnant while making Mobsters and Mormons. And when I was watching it, I was like, is she really pregnant? If not, that's a really great costume artist or whatever you call it. So that makes more sense now. <laughs> yeah. uh, the best thing about that was just that at that stage, I don't know if you guys have wives and if you have kids. Do you have wives mm -hmm. and you have kids? Okay. Sure do. Well, then you know, at month eight, there isn't anyone who's out there buying maternity clothes and trying to look cute, right? You are just in sweats and you're just like in it for the long haul. You're just dying for month nine. I mean, you're dying to be done at that point. So it at least got my mind off of being miserably pregnant. And I'm oh. out there shopping for maternity clothes at month, you know, eight, eight and a half. And I'm walking into a store. They're like, what are you doing here? Like, aren't you, aren't you like almost done? And I'm like, I need some cute clothes. Help, please help outfit me. So that was, that was the best part about filming that. Mm -hmm. The cute maternity clothes. <laughs> well you made it work Otherwise, mm -hmm. I love that my daughter Olivia who was in my tummy um, she gets credit for that on IMDB oh cool I'm totally kidding she does uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> they should give her credit gosh dang it don't you think I, yeah. I totally, I'm gonna apply for that I'm gonna like you know I'm gonna put her in for that if you well, can. she should get royalties yeah. from it too right yeah <laughs> She should have been credited now that I think about it. I wonder if it's too late. But anyway, but it's her claim. I mean, that was her first movie, literally. So. Did you have any, uh, I mean, being that far along, any close pregnancy, like, scares in the filming at all? I didn't. I didn't. Although that would have made a great story. I was very emotional, though. That one scene at the end where I'm crying because the mobster family blew up in a car. Uh -huh. you know and we're all crying we're all sad i'm moping around and i'm on the bed and i'm falling oh those tears are real those <laughs> are real tears because i am full-on hormonal at that point <laughs> you're like the director's like hey brit do you think you could cry i'm like oh yeah i can definitely cry the fact you're even asking me makes me want to but cry. you're like brit they didn't really die it's <laughs> just part of the story right. are there any other scenes where you want me to cry I'm, i can just cry <laughs> I can anytime just <laughs> Well, that was a pretty cool scene, actually, too, for uh, um, a local film, like a whole explosion scene. Right? That was our last day on set. That was quite the excitement. That's quite oh, the hubbub around town, I have to say. And I also want to know, like, I've never asked this question, but how did they have those other two cars parked right next to the blow-up car? That's that a good question. I just recently watched this movie, and I noticed that in that scene... I mean, so really they're destroying three cars in one explosion, which is pretty, you know, high budget for around here. Yeah. But they yeah. had to sell it. They had to sell it, right? I was convinced. And you were too, crying. No problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were all like hiding behind some barricade across the street for that scene. Yeah. And some bushes and some barricade. It was, it was funny. I mean, every movie is just so different and every cast is so different and your experiences are going to be just so varied that 
it's, I don't know. I just feel really grateful. I feel really grateful to have done all the movies that I've done and the ones that I'm going to do. And it's just a fun business to be in. So what else do we have to look forward to you in the future? You said you're going to be doing a couple, uh, you're looking at some scripts. So maybe some more movies here yeah. coming up. What else do you got going on? I'm looking at two scripts right now. I don't think I can talk about them yet, but you guys will be the first to know. Yes. When I do, I'll let you know. Because um, you're coming back on, right? Once. Oh, yeah. We have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm recording an album this summer, Christmas album. That I'm super excited about that. It's fun to get back to my more musical roots. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So watch for that. I, I hope to be recording that this summer. We're doing arrangements right now of some of my favorite Christmas tunes. And then... It, Hopefully the album will be out at Christmas time around October, November, something like that. Well, can I ask what your favorite Christmas songs are that we might get to hear on there? Or is that secret too? Oh gosh. I love the first Noel and Oh Holy Night. Oh Holy Night for sure. I don't know. Do you guys have any requests? Oh Holy Night was mine. So you got it. Santa Claus is coming to town. And I hear um, there's this new song called This Is A Place. It's really Uh, good. You want to cover that one too? We did do our own. We did do our own Christmas song. Well, yeah, we can make that a Christmas song, you guys. Can I license the rights from you? What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. As long as we get an autographed <laughs> copy of the exactly. <laughs> it needs a banjo, though. It needs a banjo. a banjo. Oh yeah, we need like a full-on band. Yeah. We gotta, right. <laughs> we're a year into this now. We we gotta up our game. Yeah. Have you guys well, been? It, it's been a year. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And we just hit our year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Well, I'm so honored to be here. I really appreciate you guys having me. Do you ever get recognized like, hey, are you the girl from the RM? Or hey, are you? <laughs> yeah, you know what I do all the time. And I can tell when they're playing the RM on KSL because I get recognized in like batches. Like it'll go for a couple weeks where I'm recognized all the time. Sometimes mm-hmm. even every day. I Those have to waves. say, I mostly get the question, I know you from somewhere. How do we know each other? And I, I never like ever, ever say, oh, well, I'm an actor. You might've seen me in this and that because even though that's probably true, the, the only, I think I've ever only ever done that twice in my whole life. And the two times that it happens, she's like, no. <laughs> no. I saw you at the grocery store earlier today. <laughs> like, it was Facebook. Like, I know you oh. from Facebook. Yeah, exactly. I know you from Facebook. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm never saying that again. So I just let I just let them sort of figure it out. Because who knows? Maybe it was the post office or whatever. But most often it's they figure it out and they're like, oh, I know. I know how I know you. Uh you hinted at it earlier, your story of meeting your husband. I think that's a fun story to share if you don't mind. I'd love to. Yes. So I was just buying some salad ingredients on Pioneer Day, minding my own business. And I was, I was buying some salad stuff for a party I was going to. And I checked out and I was pushing my card and just saw the most handsome man I've ever seen. I wasn't there. <laughs> to, to the point, to that point in her life. Oh, okay. She hadn't met you yet, Brandon. <laughs> I, and I just thought inside my head, I just thought, holy cow, that, that, he is amazing. And I could tell he was a really good dad too, because he was there with his daughter who looked, and I knew it was his daughter because he looked, they looked exactly alike, just 
you know, she had long blonde hair and he obviously didn't have long blonde hair. So then, so I just smiled and was hoping that he would follow me out to the parking lot. And sure enough, he did. And he came up to me and said, Hey, I know you from Facebook. And I said, Oh, that's a good line. You know, I had, I had to tease him a little bit. Can't be that easy. So, and he's like, no, 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 I really do. And so we sort of sorted all that out. And he said, are you single? And I said, yes. And he said, do you want to go out? And I said, yes. And literally the rest is history. We've been pretty inseparable ever since. He's just the greatest guy. So you just mentioned, well, we obviously know you have a kid because you're pregnant and mom's was a Mormons. He has a kid. Um, how many kids do you guys have together? So that's question number one. Question number okay. two, are any of them in the show business? And question number three, <laughs> how often do you show them your movies? Oh my goodness. Those are such a lot of questions. questions. Three questions. And then I'm done. <laughs> those are such good questions. First of all, we have five together. We have five kids together. We've got three, uh, four girls and one boy. And they are all musical, interestingly. Uh, Taylor, my daughter, is, well, all, I mean, four, four out of five are really musical. Taylor and Olivia, mine, sing and dance and act. And, you know, of course, I'm going to start them in those little performing shows when they're little, because that's, you know, what I did. A good one would do. They grew up singing and dancing and I won't make our family do a family show though. Like I'm not going to, not going to force that. So Taylor and Olivia, yeah, they've done a lot of theater. Taylor has done, she played Eponine at, at UVU in Les Mis and Olivia has played the voice of Swan Princess. She played the princess in Swan Princess in one of the Swan Princess movies. Oh wow. So yeah, they, they continue to do stuff all the time. They're really musical. And then we have Meg and John Henry and Lauren, and those are John's. And Meg and John Henry are super talented. They both can sing and dance and act. But for some reason, I haven't been able to convince them enough to, you know, make anything of that, like to, you know, pursue that hardcore. But, okay, what was your question number two? I lost track. That was question number two, if any of them are following your footsteps. And then three, how often do they watch your movies? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that is such a question. I don't think they've, I hardly think they've seen any of my movies. What? Yeah. I know. I know. It's I time. Just, I mean, when you're a mom, you're just not that cool, I guess. I'm not cool enough to be like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I think Taylor and Olivia, I grew up watching them, but I just, I don't know. What's that about you guys? I don't know. I hear that a, a lot with actors is that it's rare that their kids Unless if it's like a kid movie, yeah. right? Like it's like a cartoon or something. Yeah. They don't. Something but, that they're interested in. But sometimes because actors are playing a the movie, they shouldn't show their kids. So, <laughs> but I don't think any of your movies so far, you would be embarrassed to show your kids. So That's true. And, you know, our daughter Taylor was in a movie that ended up being rated R where she couldn't even see it. So Taylor and Olivia have both been in theater and film and they've grown up doing voiceovers and recordings and stuff. And Taylor was in this movie that I was into called Skinwalker Ranch. It's a horror film. Oh. She plays the little girl, the, the creepy girl in it. If you guys ever see it, she's the blonde little creepy girl. We're going to have to watch it. There's some, oh, you told, you should. It's actually really good. But, and it's based on some true events, supposedly. But, Again, here in Utah, Skinwalker Ranch. Yep, it is. It's about that same, it's about that very oh. place. But anyway, so my daughter, Taylor, plays the Skinwalker, not to 
give you any spoilers, but there's a lot of CGI and all kinds of like stuff coming out of her head. And, what? and we, yeah, like we couldn't show it to her. Like she couldn't see that. It's how old, how old was she when she did it? Um, you she think? Was 10. Oh, she was 10 when she played that. So only recently, I think, has she like actually watched it. All right. Well, we know you've got, you got to go plan that Christmas album. You got to go read your scripts. So we won't keep you much longer. And rearrange our uh, theme song. You got, yeah. You got a lot to do. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks again for taking the time to do this with us and give us background into your, your career and the movies you've been in. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, you guys. I really appreciate it. Once again, thanks to Brittany for taking the time to revisit her career and her time in these movies with us. It was It's always fun to hear the behind the scenes. Kind of fun to hear how it all gets put together. Um, And interested to to hear about her her new movie that we don't know. We'll have to have her back on to talk about that when it comes out. Whatever it may be. I'm holding out hope that it's going to be The Ministering Brothers be the name of the movie. Well, didn't they already have a movie called Home Teachers? They did, but it'll be different now, which that's another interesting thing. Just how different taking a look back at these movies, how different the culture is. I mean, there's still those elements and you still get the jokes, but things have changed quite a bit since the early 2000s. But I believe they're still having dances, (laughs) singles dances. So just make sure if you go to one that all divorces are finalized before. Yeah, my favorite part of the RM was definitely, is it Wally Joyner? Yeah. And his wife <laughs> doing that kind of infomercial in the middle of the movie. Cracked me up the first time I saw it. And then the look on Kirby's face, like, what? <laughs> Who are they talking to? Which, utahweddings.com is a real website. So I wonder if that was a real ad that they actually put in the movie. And we all thought it was a joke, but it was real. I think it was. I think it was a real ad. So I think that was kind of the the funny part of it too. And there were just so many outside of Brittany, but there were just so many people like... um, So many cameos. Utah, yeah, cameos. Utah famous people. And one thing I didn't realize is that Will Swenson was in The Greatest Showman. Yep. I never put two and two together. But but next time, I'm sure this will not be the only time we revisit these classic movies. I'm sure we'll find another opportunity. And then it'll be your turn to sign up for the free trial, Nate. And I'll there we go. <laughs> curtail off of yours. Because we'll I've already canceled wait. mine. <laughs> we'll have to wait until... Uh... Singles War 2 is on there. Yeah. But do you know they have like an LDS film festival? I've heard of this. Yeah. Some guy just, I saw on the news a few months ago that some guy just bought it. And I think they're still planning on doing it this year. I think they do it at the Sierra down Hmm. in Orem. Well, watch for that because that'll be coming soon. But now will it be called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Film Festival? That's what I'm wondering. I feel like when we say that, it's kind of like calling someone by their full name. Like you're like Nathan Barnett Linnell. You have to say that every time you're talking to me. Wait, Barnett? Nathan Barnett. Oh. 
Nathan Barnett. That's my middle name, Barnett. I didn't know that. I just learned that. We we all just learned that together, me and the listeners. It's my my mom's maiden name, Barnett. What's your What's your middle name, Brandon? Stephen, which is actually my father's name, and I should give him a shout out because it was through him and his connection to Brittany's husband that we were able to get in contact with her and have her on the show. So thanks, Dad, for hooking it up and for being a top supporter of the podcast. Yeah, we didn't think my son's through his middle initials, E, Edward. So his name's Rock, Rocky E. Linnell. Rocky E. Rocky E. Linnell. Just say his middle name. Um, of course you didn't think about it. You had one thing on your mind, and that was name him Rocky. Yeah. And you, there was no persuading you any other way. Nope. That was part of my uh, original contract when I dated a girl. It's like, oh, let's get this out of the way at the first date. <laughs> if you're not okay naming our first son or having your first son named Rocky, then we should even move forward. Rocky. It was my disclosure. There was not a contract disclosures. This was a first date type of thing, huh? Well, yeah, I'm not going to spend money on a girl if it's not even a possibility to name their first child Rocky. Here's a question, though. On your first date, did you always get the girl a rose corsage? (laughs) Uh, If the answer is no, how did you even get married? I don't know. That's funny, too. But is it mostly just Utah culture where you have when you ask a girl out, you have to like decorate their you mean for a dance not even necessarily dance i feel like they still do it like in college too right just really on a date no just dances just i don't know i've known a few people who've done it just for going on a date but it's a pretty utah thing yeah that but is that still going on though dances that too. <laughs> Not with COVID, but um, doing the asking somebody out that way. Because I feel like the reason that started is that we're too shy to go and ask a girl <laughs> into their face. And back in my day, you either had to talk to them face to face or you had to call them. You couldn't email them. I mean, what are you going to do? Write them a letter, send it in the mail. But nowadays, you can, like, text somebody, right? And you can hide behind a computer. Yeah. You know, so I wonder, is that still a thing, though, when you're asking somebody to dance? Do you still do the puzzles or whatever to get them to guess who's asking them out? I really hope so. Maybe that's how I should ask you to go on our next adventure. (laughs) Will you go on an adventure with me? Will you go to Wendover with me? Please dig through this box of rice. <laughs> Fine. You know who you look like? You look like the dude. The dude? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Huh? With my sweater? Never yeah, man. You look yeah, straight man. up. Yeah, man. I've only seen that movie like once. Get your white Russian. That's a good idea. I should be the dude. Dude, you should be the dude. Don't cut your hair. You're the dude. So you can be John Goodman. 
Be... But he's that that's supposed to mean like, it could be John Goodman. Yeah. Some kind of a that. fat joke. <laughs> What's the name of the dude? The guy plays the dude? Jeff Bridges? Yeah, but you're like the badass in the movie though. <laughs> we should totally do a bowling episode now. <laughs> just oh for, yeah. Just before we cut I had to do it before I cut my hair now. And then we can be like the dude. Ah frick, man. We gotta do bowling episode. All star lanes, here we come. So let us know your favorite part from one of these movies or what your favorite quote-unquote Mormon movie is, which one you'd like to have us do next. As long as we can get somebody as awesome as Brittany to come and chat about it. Tough act to follow. Thanks for listening to This Is A Place podcast. S-Y-N-W. Thank you.